0: Hey, everybody, before we get to the meat of today's show, I'm going to serve up a little appetizer for you here and tell you about another libertarian podcast, another great podcast out there hosted by our friends over at Good Morning Liberty, also known as Nate and Charlie. And of course, there's been some talk and some rumors and some things swirling about name mispronunciations and They might have called me Jack. I might have called Nate Nick. None of that matters. None of that matters at all. What matters is the awesome show they deliver multiple days a week. It's a uh, five day per week podcast. They have an awesome segment coming up at the end of the week called the Dumb Bleep of the Week. And it is hilarious. It's a can't miss. It's one of those segments that, you know, even if you're not listening to every episode, you got to tune back in. You don't miss the dumb bleep. So check out Good Morning Liberty. Go subscribe to their podcast. Good Morning Liberty. Check it out today with Nate and Charlie.
1: We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though. That's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman.
0: Welcome, welcome back for another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, got a great show for you guys today. I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Going to be talking to two members of the uh, Sound Mind Creative Group. Um, They're putting together an awesome documentary that's going to be shining a light on this COVID pandemic. Um, They're doing it at risk, at risk to their careers and their reputations. So at this point in time, they're anonymous, they're using pseudonyms, and we'll talk about that in the show. Before we get to that, before I introduce them, I do want to tell you guys, do want to remind you guys that. This show, Lines of Liberty, this podcast, it's variety program. It's the oldest libertarian variety program and the best libertarian variety program. You can kick off the week on Mondays with Mark Clare with the flagship program. Mark's hosting debates. He's talking to libertarian leaders. He's talking to entrepreneurs. He's talking to all sorts of different people. Uh, every Wednesday, it's a more of a current event show, Electric Liberty Land, hosted by Brian McWilliams. Brian has been doing some more interviews. He had a great one yesterday. Awesome interview with Olivia Rondeau. Definitely do not want to miss that. Check it out. Then, of course, today's show, what you're listening to right now. So please go subscribe, pound that subscribe button, as they say. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate y'all, as they say in the South. So let's get rolling into today's show. All right, today I am joined by two individuals from the Sound Mind Creative Group. Uh, They're working on a A docu-series, I believe it now is, originally a documentary, but now a a docu-series. And it's going to talk about, really, uh, the tensions between the mainstream narrative, this COVID narrative that we're all dealing with, and uh, those challenging it, and telling the stories, those affected by it, damaged by it, and all those different things. And we'll dig into the details of their vision and uh, what they're trying to accomplish with it. I will say they they are using pseudonyms, so uh, I will introduce them. Um, but These are not the real names. They're protect- protecting their identity. So I'm joined by John and Alan. Welcome to Finding Freedom, guys.
1: Thanks hey, for having us, John. Yeah.
0: Well, great to have you guys here. I know you've been making the uh, the old podcast rounds and been having great success um, uh, getting support and funding uh, for this docu-series. I'm, I'm very excited about it um, from what I've heard, so excited to ask you guys some questions today. And... I guess before we get started talking about it, let's kind of start at the top. I have the two of you here. whoever wants to take this first can take it um what motivated you to go down this path um you know it's it's something obviously you're using pseudonyms, so you have something to lose uh doing this, creating this document this uh, docu series why why now, and what what nudged you to uh to do this
1: well uh it all started with Tom Woods, actually. Um, <laughs> he was uh, doing... He, he'd been doing a number of podcasts about uh, COVID, and, and he did one with uh, a gentleman who has a Twitter account where he publishes charts. And uh, basically, pairwise comparison charts that show um, how different areas that took, took different approaches to the crisis had very similar results. Um, So, for example, North Dakota and South Dakota. North Dakota locked down, South Dakota didn't. South Dakota's results were actually better than North Dakota's. So, in in one of those podcasts, Tom said, I wish somebody would make a documentary about this, a high-quality documentary that really shows this clearly and that brings out the human interest stories of people whose lives have been impacted by all of these political decisions. And I I said to myself, gosh, I'd really like to see that documentary. I hope somebody does it. And uh, I was shaving at the moment and looked in the mirror and and kind of had a, a, a an epiphany and said, well, why shouldn't I do it? And I didn't think I was that serious about it, but I got on the phone with with my partners and uh put it forward and we we bandied it back and forth for a couple of weeks trying to decide how serious we were about it and ultimately we decided it was a story that needed to be told um and that we had the skills and resources to get it done
0: so so when you say uh say partners um is that is that everyone who's who's in this Sound Mind Creative group, was it existing prior to this or was it was it formed um due to for the purpose of uh making this docuseries?
2: Yeah, well I'll I'll jump in there. We have, we talked about it a lot. We were wondering about okay, what's a way that we could do this? This started what was it, I mean, four or five months ago, and this is still this is before the Fauci emails dropped. This is when any sort of dissent was really being um, dumped on, and it was like, oh god! Like to say anything right now is really difficult. And we were discussing our various sort of positions, and you know, the general public sort of uh, purview was to kind of go along with what the mainstream media was saying. And I mean, usually when you make a project a major project, you form a single purpose entity. And we're like, well, why don't we form form a single purpose entity slash facade for us to all operate with and we would we we, we would be an experiment of of anonymity i mean we we feel that privacy is an important thing so we we uh we created the sound mind creative group uh to for the exclusive purpose of making follow science on lockdowns and liberty and uh we thought we'd just come up sort of uh an ethos by which to work. I mean, freedom of expression and uh, and the uninhibited exchange of ideas, uh, belief in objective reality, as well as the essential subjective imagination of the artists. You know, we were just kind of like all the things that we wanted to talk about, and it's been actually quite good. We it, it's created a area where we felt initially comfortable uh, wading into this space. I mean, there's mm-hmm. it's a uh, why necessarily give the cancel culture, which is a it is a phenomenon we have to deal with right now, uh, an easy. Um, easy marks, as it were. I mean, I mean, the, the emphasis is to create your own brand, put yourself out there. I mean, you've developed your podcast world, which is wonderful, mm-hmm. um, and we're all fans. And um, and yet, it's sort of like when you work in LA, we've been so used to the groupthink our entire careers. We understood cancel culture is really just the groupthink of of Hollywood writ large, and we were we were like, well, we're gonna we need to create something that gives us an ability to. uh Pursue this. Put our, see if it has legs. See what we're doing. See see what kind of people we can bring in. See that we emphasize privacy and, and self expression. And it's been quite phenomenal the response. I mean, we're we're rapidly approaching the hundred thousand mark on our uh, fundraiser campaign, and um and it's been it's been good. It's been good a good experience for us, and we have a lot of creatives who are joining us. the The Sound Mind Creative Group keeps growing, and we have a, a nice array of, of talent. And some of us will probably eventually kind of come forward as to who we are and what exactly we're doing. Mm-hmm. But we feel at this point, it's been very effective and, and benefiting us.
0: Well, yeah, that was kind of my next question. Um, is there a point in time you know, when this docu series is rolled out? Is it is it feasible or you know, maybe ha- have you in the past created an, you know, an anonymous uh, or been a contributor anonymously to a, uh, some, a project like this throughout the whole process?
2: Yeah, I mean there's projects that I've consulted on. Um mm-hmm. and, and I I have a there's projects I've consulted on and other organizations I've worked with where it was designed that there's people who wanted to work on it, but not necessarily get credited. Um they wanted to they were perfectly comfortable uh taking their day rates, taking their 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 negotiated fee for it. But they're like, Yeah, why don't you leave me off this one? It's a little too uh, free thinking for their uh for for the uh for the Hollywood elite, shall we say. And and the the name of the game is I mean i always like to say all the cliches are true when it comes to Hollywood. I mean, just, you, you can kind of think of it. I mean, the, some of the easy ones are you never hear no. Um, I liked it. I didn't love it is the most condemning thing you would ever hear. There's this nuance to everything. And there's this, all this sort of non-talk. I mean, this sort of double talk that doesn't really, it's all about who, you know, it's all about, you know, how you play the game, how you, how you, um, I mean, it, it kind of got blown open by the Weinstein stuff in terms of the Me Too movement, and like, the, like my God, would you believe it? Uh, uh, actors and actresses have been sleeping their way to the to to roles. I mean, who knew? But I mean, shocking, yeah. <laughs> shocking. Um, but that's just the sort of tip of the iceberg. I mean, the amount of sort of, uh, I would say abuse of uh, creative talent is is the name of the game. And By definition, a lot of creatives are usually fairly uh, self-conscious about their work, and there's always that moment of like, oh, everything I do is terrible, and the, the producers will jump on it like, great, why don't you sign over all the rights to me? And then they make go off and make a lot of money with it, and the creators are left high and dry. And so we've had a – all of us have been very good about kind of making sure we – not fall victim to the contract slave nature of Hollywood, where you give things away to readily. We try and support artists. We try and treat everyone as artists. And then we try and work together and, and, and work mm-hmm. intelligently as, as people who care about freedom to have good contracts, smart contracts uh, and, and do it in such a way that doesn't necessarily cost us our livelihood and other, other avenues of uh, our careers. Uh,
0: that, that makes sense. And I, I give you both uh, tremendous credit for uh, being able to, to stick it out in Hollywood and operate in that, uh, in that world being, you know, being free thinkers, uh, you know, that has to be, I'm sure there's a, there's probably a lot, a lot of people in that situation where you just find yourself sort of biting your tongue and hearing things and sort of, sort of screaming on the inside, wanting to, uh, wanting to speak out, but really not being able to. So hopefully, um, and maybe this, this vehicle that you've created, the sound creative group will be, a vehicle that can help to uh, break down some of those barriers. I don't know if, if that's something that that you that you envision, but uh, well,
1: it's definitely. something we're we're already experiencing. I mean, we we certainly have been contacted by a number of high level people uh, in various capacities who have said we really want to support you in this project, but we can't have our names associated with it. So. Uh, it, it definitely that was a piece of why we wanted to create it, not only to protect ourselves, but also to be able to attract uh, talent to the project that might um, want to contribute, but not be willing to to be forward with it. Uh, and, and so that's definitely happening. And, and I think uh, we we envision this having legs into the future as a as a vehicle for creating. Um, material that, that otherwise might not get created. I, you know, I, my, my intuition is there, there are probably many projects that don't get past a certain stage because people are concerned that if they go forward with it, their careers could, could be upended.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So let's focus in on the docu-series itself. And uh, maybe you can share with us, I know I talked about it at the top of the intro sort of the high-level view, you know, focusing on people who've been damaged and affected by the lockdowns. But do you have a, a vision or have you started to plan out sort of how you're going to tell those
2: stories or,
0: or what sort of stories you, you'd like to tell?
2: Yeah, well, it's um, – straight out the bat, we can say that we, we've, we've expanded the project. Originally, it was – we were thinking a documentary – and then we've we've moved towards a docuseries, a five-part docuseries, 60 minutes, so so five hours. And we realized that there's, there, I mean, there's so much ground to cover and it's an ongoing story. I mean, as we talked about, once we started this thing, we were a couple of months into it. We already raised several tens of thousands of dollars. And then and then the Fauci emails dropped and we were just delighted to be on, the, you know, it's one of those things where like, oh, well, we're on the pulse. So that was a reassuring moment. Um, but what we want to do first is um, it's sort of like, sort of have the episodes go through this process of first un sort of folding recounting what the experience was, what the narrative as presented real time, because it, there was so much that happened so quickly. It's almost, you forget, you know, where, where, I mean, there were like, you know, started off with toilet paper shortages and then mask shortages and then respirator shortages. And and it was almost like the weekly, you know, like sci-fi here's the problem of the week that we were dealing with in the narrative. So we want to, we want to retrace, what was the experience we had as a culture and, 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 and what was reported, but then Simultaneously track the actual data. What was the data that came out? What was it showing? How it was reported versus what what we can see in hindsight, what the uh, data actually had. And we have a feeling, our initial instinct for all this was that, oh, hmm, I bet the data doesn't really refl- reflect what the narrative was presented and the policymakers were telling us. We we do we just that's our strongest instinct. I mean, we're we're going into this as neutrally as possible, but we're definitely we have our suspicions as to what's going to be revealed. And a lot of it's already pretty obvious, as as uh, John just mentioned about. I mean, just looking at North Dakota versus South Dakota and those who had lockdown measures versus the results. Um, we then want to look at what were the techniques of manipulation of the narrative and manipulation of the data um, and see how that um affected what was presented to us and 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 really kind of reconstruct well now at this point. The, the, the whole origin of every, the whole origin of the virus how it uh the 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 relationship i mean at this point it's become what's the relationship between fauci and the Wuhan lab and 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 all the actors and agents in between and where the money was going I mean the follow the science and follow the money is is kind of a synonymous thing at this point because it it just smacks of uh of a corrupt system or or a highly damaged system that may may in fact not been revealing the uh, types of information that policymakers should have been making major decisions to, in fact, shut us all down, rather than protecting the vulnerable, because the, the vulnerable were, were in fact, uh, uh, you know, there's there people with comorbidities and the elderly really faced quite possibly a death sentence. But instead, right. we locked up all the people who weren't vulnerable and 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 ha- uh, hand tied everyone from doing uh, becoming uh, engine. Um, what's sort I'm looking for? The uh, human ingenuity to try and work around this rather than having these top-down measures telling us all what to do. We could have had 350 million citizens going like, okay, how are we going to work around this and do something, um, uh, do something different to help those who are uh, vulnerable. Now through that, obviously we're going to need to start looking at the vaccines. That's become a very hot topic, existing um, uh, treatments that are being suppressed, looking at the big tech and that suppression. See that more as like an episode three uh, type scenario um and we see and we we, we and we want to we, we're going to have a number of uh, main characters kind of going through the journey of exploring this the human interest story you know so that's the scientific side and then we want to have the human interest side we have to have those human stories that discrete mm-hmm. human experience that reflects what these policies did to our culture to our economy to our individual selves and our businesses, it's unbelievable what has happened. Everywhere you've ever been and everyone you've ever known also had to deal with these lockdowns. It's the first worldwide singular experience, and we we are going to have to unpack this. And we want to look at the lot, you know, the, the years of lost productivity. I mean, children stuck at home, uh, fa- not being able to learn. Um, the 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 trauma of not being able to interact with 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 uh, children their own age, um, uh, yeah, moving up, you know, stuck home with the adults, having to um, adults losing you know losing their jobs, losing their dreams, aspirations, businesses folding. I mean, there's so much hardship that far exceeded. Uh, the the supposed benefits of the lockdown we want to explore that so we feel so to kind of wrap up my initial sort of foray into this it's we feel that this sort of dramatizing the data sort of reconstructing what happened uh, as we experienced reconstructing what actually happened as the data um, as the data should have uh kind of reveals and then and then um uh, reflecting that against the human interest story. So you feel that there's a powerful triangulation there that will kind of help us learn the wisdom of what we should have learned mm-hmm. from all this rather than this bizarre kind of Kafka experience that we all went into.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you're absolutely true. This is, is an evolving story. And you, you're talking about the, the different treatments you know that have kind of been suppressed and one that I've been really looking into recently. And it's gotten actually some mainstream like i said as mainstream as uh, as joe rogan is some mainstream play with uh ivermectin and the mm-hmm. studies around that and the, how that's just completely being ignored and uh by the mainstream media by mainstream science which is just alarming really so uh, i'm sure that's something yeah that well in fact i mean
2: to. it's it's off patent no one's gonna make any money off of it yeah. i mean sort of like all the all, uh, talk about all the cliches being true it's just it's very suspicious i mean it's sort of if ivermectin were to be deemed a uh a viable treatment, then the emergency approvals of these vaccines would be knocked off the table. And that seems to be not permitted by the powers that be right now. And it's, and it's, and it's fairly clear to everyone.
0: Oh, 100%. Um, so will this be, will you focus mostly on the United States or on, on a worldwide scale? What made me think of that is, you know, you're talking about everyone's been impacted by this and talking about, you know, the students who were out of school and the parents who have had their dreams taken. You look at a country like India, I interviewed a tour guide over there and he was telling me the story of when they had their lockdowns in India, the government gave four hours warning. And the way I haven't been to India, but from what I understand is you have a lot of uh, very poor people, the laborers who um, are from the villages, but, but live in the cities. And they traveled back and forth from village to city using public transportation, not every day, but maybe, you know, when they needed to. Um, when everything was shut down in the cities, they were not able to get back to their villages. They had to walk. You're talking about, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people walking yeah. hundreds of miles with children on their backs, uh, not sufficient food or water. And a lot of people died on that journey. Mm-hmm. And you, when you look at like third world countries, poor nations as a whole, a lot of people, this is also the case in the United States to a certain degree, a lot of uh, school-aged children will never go back to school because mm. maybe they had to, uh, if their parents lost their jobs, they had to start working. Um, if, the, if we went to remote learning, they didn't have access to a computer or a cell phone. That was the case in India with, with a lot of the uh, education there. So will, will you, or maybe to, to start with, maybe it's the U.S., do you have plans maybe in later episodes to focus on impacts throughout the world?
1: I think the majority of our concentration will be on the U.S. Uh, in part because I think our target market is largely U.S. and our access to uh, information and, and interviewees will will largely be U.S. based. That said, I, I think you know what you're pointing to is critical um, because I think that the people who will have suffered the most from this crisis will be people in the third world. And that's going to, like you you mentioned, is going to have repercussions for for decades to come. Um, and one of the one of the things that I found most infuriating uh, during this whole process is seeing how people who are in um, positions where they can weather the storm comfortably assume that that's true uh, of everybody in the world. Um, I mean, you can look at that just in the frame of the United States that, you know, a lot of people in in my Facebook feed are in the entertainment industry or are middle-class and, and probably can work from home. But there are a whole bunch of people who couldn't do that and whose lives have, have really been uh, deeply impacted by this. And I've seen people say, isn't it so great that, you know, in a time like this, we're able to work from home and, and make things work for ourselves. And, um, yeah, that's great for you. But what about all the people who can't do that? And, and uh, like you're saying, all of the, the third world casualties uh, as a result of this. I, I saw something recently about um, how the amount of money coming into places like Venezuela has completely uh, bottomed out from uh, immigrants who've moved here and were sending money back to their family now those immigrants are out of work and can can no longer support their families in in uh, you know places like Venezuela. Uh, so their their economy uh, has has faltered in part because of the lack of income coming from places like the U.S. Um, so it it it's a global story, and we're we're going to have to uh, address that on on some level in the series.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's let's talk about really. You talk about the target audience being the U.S. Actually, influencing and persuading uh, that target audience. Obviously, mm-hmm. someone like myself. I mean, I'm going to watch it and just enjoy it because you, you already mm-hmm. have me won over. But uh, persuading uh, the person who uh, fully supported the lockdowns, who fully bought into. Uh, if it saves just one life, it's worth it. Well, those lockdowns actually might have saved one life, but it traded, you know, traded someone else's life who wasn't able to get, you know, maybe medical uh, attention for uh, for cancer or heart problem or something like Indeed. that. Um, how how do you approach that? So how because it's it's that's very I mean, as I'm sure as you as you both know, that's gonna be very hard to change people's minds.
2: Well, we, we do see the target audience as being the innate live and let live crowd. You know, I mean, most people don't vote. Most people aren't registered, but we, we feel that there's an overall sort of um, um, I like to call them sort of a traditional uh, liberal or, or, or center or moderate or even center right moderates that, that just are, you know, just kind of got caught up in this kind of thing. They've been misled. Um, I would um, um, and, and, and and that and and millennials as well, because they've been learning everything from online. I mean, they just everything just comes in, they sort of absorb it from the internet and everything and, and this nonstop narration. And I feel like we, you know, to what you just said, we're gonna pull a lot of the uh, uh, traditional right and center right with us uh regardless of of um, i mean we, we feel that there's just a natural uh, audience there the natural skeptics there but we feel that we're really fighting for sort of this like the, the 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 traditional liberal i mean which is you know we could probably talk about how that the transition to classical liberalism but i think sort of the traditional liberal who has been sort of siphoned off by this parasitic left that has turned this into one giant sort of agenda power uh, agenda driven power grab just to kind of show a little bit how i feel about it and it um i think you know these are people that i mean the 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 traditional liberals they usually have an innate uh skepticism of authoritarianism and and believe in 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 self-expression and and all these things where everything seems to have flipped and they uh this this sort of the this large liberal live live and let live crowd has gone down this pit of of um of of Believing everything that they're being told by uh, the government, and we feel that we there's a, that the, a natural skepticism of authority has been uh, compromised, and that there's been a weaponization of fear. And by by politicians and media. And we you know, we what we want to do is we want to offer you know, those who may already have some sort of innate sense of skepticism, because I think they, they can sense that there's something not correct. There's there's something like this doesn't quite compute the, the, the natural cognitive dissonance of what they're told and what they're seeing isn't isn't. Uh, isn't uh, gelling in their mind and they see the druggruian uh, approaches and we want to in, uh, encourage them to resist that in the future and we also think that we can reach those who have internalized, internalized the propaganda and maybe uh, may begin uh, questioning the validity of of the lockdowns and what they're being sold through the mainstream narrative
0: yeah it's it's interesting uh when you talk about you know really these I mean, tr- traditional liberals, really—that that you would think of, very—you uh, know, civil liberties-oriented, anti-authority. Um, I'm convinced that if Donald Trump had come out very aggressively and uh, at the federal level had Im- implemented a mask mandate and started shutting down businesses and taking over businesses, which he didn't do, I think he did what he should have done and largely stepped back and let the states handle it. But if he had taken that route. I think you would have seen the liberals push back, and it would have been the liberals um, with the, uh, you know, the anti mask and, and protesting and protesting lockdowns. So it's it's interesting, how, interesting how that flipped like that. Um, even when it comes to the to the vaccine, um, I think if Trump had, had beat Biden and was still president with the vaccine, I think we would see more resistance from, from liberals. So, and that I guess that really just tells you how much the media controls everything.
1: Yeah, and that, that's certainly a, a piece of the story that uh, is important for us to tell is um, how how the media strongly influenced um, the, the choices that people made and what people were willing to take. I mean, that's one of the shocking things that I'm sure everybody in your audience gets is is how quickly and willingly people gave up their basic rights to earn a living, to travel, to uh, spend time with, with their loved ones, um, and um, a part of what we need to look at is how those messages were uh, put out there into the market that, that people were willing to absorb them. Um, and. Um, Sorry, completely lost my train of thought there. Uh, you want to you pick that up, Alan? <laughs> sure. well, there, I mean, there was a point there. <laughs> well, I, I think what,
2: if memory serves, it's sort of, I mean, the, this, this mainlining, we were already, I think, th- to the points you guys were both just making. I mean, fear had be clearly become a major player in our culture. The use of fear... Um, I mean, between, I mean, sort of Trump derangement syndrome, the divisiveness between the politics, the whole uh, BLM Antifa stuff. I mean, like there there was this there's been this driving aspect of fear and the return of shaming and shunning and how suddenly people were like, uh, if I don't do this, I won't I, I'm going to be on the outside of society. I mean, I, I'll segue slightly into a, a uh, an anecdote of like, you know, all the, all these sort of self. Uh, these these people were like, okay, well, we have to wear masks now, and even even outdoors. And I never wore a mask outdoors. I refuse. I, I just knew that medically there was never a need for it, and uh, anything that said said that w- was uh, was uh, a hyperbole. It's just that's just the nature of these things. It was not if there
0: was a, if there was a need a need for masks outdoors, then we got some serious. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're that. like at
2: twenty percent casualty. I mean, you know, yeah. horrible, 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 like a true plague. This was nothing of that. This was a new, this was a new disease that had a bit of a russian roulette if you had comorbidities and you were a particular age and that okay we need to be careful with that but this sort of extreme hyperbole of what was needed to happen and i remember i would go for hikes in the hills and you know that was the one thing you could do it in the early days and people would come the other way and they'd have their masks on and they would see you and they'd see you without your mask and they would stop and they would turn their back and they would like face and so you had to like walk this gauntlet of backs as you walked by them and this is only like 2 weeks into it and i thought my god this is just incredible this is just watching every Everyone change their sense of freedom and and social norms and 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 the adoption of shame shame and shunning, which is the which is the precursors of, of, of a fear based society, which is the tool that authoritarian authoritarian regimes use to control the population and always have through most of human history. And we just happen to have this experiment of of, of the Western world. Uh, of the last several centuries that has been different to that. And they're just kind of reverting back to this mean existence of, uh, of doing what they're told. And God, it's just like, I was just, i from, from day one, I thought, Oh wow, we have a lot of work to do. Um, It's, it's, it's shocking. It's shocking. It was shocking to watch 80% of the country just roll over on the civil rights as if it was nothing because there was a, such a, a deep ingrained fear to short circuit their, their rational being.
0: It's it's the fear and it's the team sports aspect um, of politics. So you have the people who you know now that even if they're fully vaccinated and you know mask mandates are lifted, uh, they go go grocery shopping and they'll still wear a mask because they don't want anyone to think that they're a Republican not wearing a mask. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, you're proving the point that this is all just theater. But by saying that, people, uh, I've had multiple uh, liberal friends of mine say that openly. So that's I, I don't know. It's it's tough to. I mean, you have to almost approach it in a way by saying, you know, it's okay. I understand, you know, what, what's happening here, but, uh, you know, give them a, an alternative,
2: something that, yeah. you know, a, a way out. Well, I'm yeah, we need, we need to let people save face. Because, I mean, it's, I mean, a big part of what we're doing is asking people to admit they're wrong. That is a big ask for most of humanity. Most people don't like to admit they're wrong. But if you give them a pathway, if you give them a good story, if you give them the, the, the journey, you know, a journey they can relate to that crosses the emotional thresholds and the knowledge based thresholds so that they combine into this sense of wisdom and they can think, oh, I was misled. I was mm-hmm. misled by a parasitic uh, force of some variety. I mean, I, I, in, 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 you know. Pick pick your flavor. Everyone has a sense that there's a series of cabals somewhere in in somewhere that's conspiring to do this against us. And and it's it's hard to know, though, who's correct and who's 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 pulling at the right threads. But there is clearly something that we're all aware of that um, that has misled so many. And we need to give a story that that writes that path and gives people the ability to save face. I mean, we don't. We, we have a strong culture of saving face in this in this in the in the Western world, in the United States, even though we don't talk about it openly. If we give people the ability, like, oh, I just keep thinking the misled. They were misled. If you if I mean, and the more Fauci reveals himself to be nothing more than just a, a bureaucrat who has one, you know, he he has a little bit of credentialing. And he's just an old bureaucrat who's way over his depths, but he's more of a megalomaniac and, and um. About his own ego, than actually, uh, you know, worrying about. I mean, the fact that he supplanted, he's like, "Oh, this is just a a, 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 a a health, a health, health issue, not a civil rights issue." Like, it's a yes and. I mean, he just he's like, "Oh no, it can't be one or the other." It's like, "No, sir, it's a yes and." Like, okay, we got to deal with the health issue, but civil rights is still on the table. It never goes anywhere. And he he just that sheer repetition of it over and over again was just manipulation. And we need to let people know that they're manipulated and give them a way out.
1: And one one of the consultants that we we've been talking with quite a bit uh, suggested that that an interesting approach uh, might be to say you were you were right to have this uh, suspicion that you had early on, mm. so e- even if if there there sur- surely is a large portion of the population. That had a cognitive dissonance, and they chose to go in in one direction. So they did have their suspicions and their concerns. There's another portion of the population that may never have had those suspicions and concerns, but at least by phrasing it in that way, it gives them the opportunity to maybe rewrite their own history and accept that that they swallowed a lot of propaganda. Um, so that yeah. that's that's uh, we we really want to approach it in a way that the the common person doesn't doesn't feel uh blamed or chastised for having gone down this path because obviously a large percentage of of our country and the world did swallow that propaganda
0: yeah and and taking the uh taking the high ground and conveying the message that you know it's totally um fine to have uh you know been misled here You know, there was a lot of I mean, everybody was misled. I mean, it's not like uh, it was something that was easy to uh, to come out against. Um, If you're coming out against it, you're you're facing a lot of resistance. So, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, what you all put together with this. And speaking of that, so can you talk a little bit about the campaign, where people can find it um, the success that it's had. And then after that, I'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, eventually how, the, how it'll be rolled out, how you envision that.
2: Uh, sure. Well, we, well, we, uh- we're on fundraiser.com. It's it's uh, like Kickstarter, but it's still a little different. It's F-U-N-D-R-A-Z-R.com, fundraiser.com forward slash follow the science. That has been our primary uh, fundraising push so far. Uh, Tom, we, we launched it alongside an initial podcast with Tom Woods, and I'm very happy to say that he, he actually donated $10,000 to get us started. And through nothing but pot, we've done a dozen podcasts since then, and it's all been podcast driven, and we have now raised $95,000. Um, which we're just thrilled by, I mean, this thing has real legs. Uh, so we're cramping up at the hundred thousand dollar mark, which was basically our initial sort of development uh, uh, idea. We're, we're raising three hundred thousand dollars through this initial campaign, which is basically the development fees and the funds for the pilot episode for for. Uh, to put it the most in the most simple terms, so we're uh, pulling it together and then once we're gonna have this uh, we'll have a, a a sort of short pilot created in episode one, and with that we're looking to raise an additional million dollars for the for the the full for the full series so a one point three million dollar price tag all in. Um, to do something that we were, I mean, and we, we, I don't know if we talked about this at the beginning, but we're going for proper production values. We want something that could compete at the Netflix level. Um, you know, even if we might have a hard time getting in through those doors, we, we will, um, part of the deals, we're going to be hiring a PR and marketing team we're, we've been bringing in people to help put together an amazing package to push this. So we've been doing, and it's all been through, um, through the dollars of this fundraiser campaign. People have been giving five bucks. People have given hundred bucks, a thousand bucks, 5,000 bucks. It's been amazing. So anything that people can donate, we're, we're, we're honored and humbled to receive it. So that's fundraiser.com support slash follow the science. And um, uh, John, do you want to jump in with, uh, we, we also, let's see, we have. Uh...
1: Yeah. So I can, I can take that. Sure, piece. we, we um, a- Another important aspect of this is that we're, we're, attempting to crowdsource uh, quite a bit of, of uh, information. So we're, we're looking to find stories of people whose lives have been adversely impacted by by the policies um, that may or may not become part of the documentary. Um, at our website, soundmindcreativegroup.com, we have a portal where people can uh, send us their stories. Um, and uh, we also, want to build a community of advisors on this. Uh, So our our $500 uh, donation level basically gives you access to a forum um, where we will be actively looking for feedback from people, looking for ideas and information. um, And that will kind of become our community that will help bring this thing to fruition. And then we're building
2: a MeWe community for anyone who donates. One hundred fifty dollars joins our MeWe community. So we, we're we're wanting to develop a a, a proper community for, to discuss this, have ideas uh, where people can come in and and, and uh, make themselves known to us, uh, uh, give them updates on how things are going, and um and and then would also give give us a good opportunity. We have more and more different. Uh, Ah, uh, film workers from the Hollywood area and from all over the world, frankly, who have been said, "We want in. I want to. I want, I've, I've got these skills. Let us know." But you know, we're, we're we're building our rolodex to put it in the older parlance of Hollywood, and um, and it's 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 going phenomenally well. And, um, and we we've and I guess we wouldn't really talk about our credits in our past. We're as part of our sort of anonymity, we we haven't been talking about what we've all specifically worked on. Yeah, I guess with the uh, yeah
0: with the pseudonyms, I'm I'm not sure how much to ask. So yeah, definitely talk about what uh, your past, your credentials, whatever you feel comfortable talking about.
2: Sure well, I'll start off and John's got a better rig and of, of the sort of the credit list, but I can say that we, we we have a robust group. I mean there's there's three of us who are out there speaking publicly about this uh, under with our pseudonyms. Um, I mean between just the three of us, we have many you know score many dozens of years of experience. We have other people who are, who are on board. We have producers and directors, editors, uh, composers, uh animation uh, specialists um all sorts of uh, uh just the, the the whole gamut of the proper uh film team is is assembling and john if you want to kind of give our, our we have a generic list of the things we've worked on
1: yeah so we we uh amongst us we have worked for um most of the major studios disney warner brothers uh discovery a and e um, and we've worked on, on projects like, um, the Fast and the Furious franchise, uh, Dateline NBC, The Today Show, um, Gone Girl, the film Gone Girl, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, um, The Pursuit of Happiness. So, you know, we, we all have worn various hats, uh, in, in, in all kinds of media in the entertainment industry.
2: And, and then and then within the niche market of the freedom movement and the growth of the industry in the last uh, 15 years, which was just you know, kind of all started with the 5 Mark D when suddenly HD uh, filmmaking was suddenly a thing people could do. Um, we've been working, a lot of us have worked in that world and helped a lot of those projects and a lot of those institutions that have been building the, this this freedom industry of filmmaking and storytelling, awesome. which is, I, I, I look at it, I can't believe how much it's grown. Um, so we, we, we have a, a strong... Uh, we understand the freedom movement. We understand the liberty movement uh, and have worked extensively in that as well as the professional Hollywood level. So there's, there's a lot of, lot of experience coming to, coming to bear on this.
0: Well, it's it's uh, incredibly exciting. And when you talk about, you know, white pill, black pill, you know, this whole COVID thing and the response to the government being a, a black pill, you know, very pessimistic about what's happening. But you see the, re- the response and. Um what you all are doing and all of the people kind of coalescing around this is just a gigantic white pill uh, makes me very very optimistic on the future
2: yeah and, and let me just jump on that too i i I'm, I'm find myself becoming more and more optimistic because I feel that you know there 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 are those who have been advocating for the idea sort of the 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 idea of freedom for a while, but it's always a difficult thing. But I feel that there's a much wider awakening occurring of individuality and a type of confidence and a type of expression, as we talked to discussed earlier. People seeing, they're being told one thing, but their minds. Cons- consents that it's not correct, and there's something going on, and that doubt and that skepticism is is a new type of uh, individual awareness that I think is uh, something that is to be. We're fanning the flames of that, but I think it's vast, and I think it can be tapped into, and I think we can push back against all these draconian measures that have been shoved down everyone's throats.
1: And in a way, that's our measure of success. It, you know, convincing people that uh, that the data doesn't. Re- doesn't reflect what, what actually was going on is is very particular. But we will have been successful with this project if we embed in people's minds a, a skepticism for authority and a skepticism for people who call themselves experts. If, if When the next crisis comes around, if they pause for a moment and question whether what they're being told is true, uh, we will have accomplished what we mm-hmm. are setting out to accomplish.
0: 100% agree with that. So, I don't know if you guys can do this, but looking forward, do we do you have a timeline for when you'd like to have I guess that that pilot um episode out is that something you can sure, kind of put out sure we,
2: we give you we're, we're we're going into production in late july we have a we have our first array of uh interviews set up um that we're going to be uh, taking we'll, we'll film those and we'll be shooting probably into august uh, october and start editing and our our ideal is to have at least a short form like a like a 20 to 30 minute version of the pilot done um by uh the fall late fall um to because we feel it's you know at this point, we want to help drive the narrative of what's going on because it's so active, um, and we feel by, by doing so, it, it makes people much more aware of us. It shows the legitimacy of our efforts, and then in doing, and then with that, we'll drive the rest of our fundraising uh, on the on the on the uh, coattails of that effort, and hopefully raise the money and and get the um, uh, get the film out in about a year's time after that. Sorry, the film, the docu-series.
0: (laughs) And do do you expect or what's the expectation around? Do you think a Netflix or an Amazon will will host something like this or find it too controversial? Or do you have a contingency plan if that happens?
2: Sure. I mean, the, the idea is that we will make something that is of that quality so that to take it seriously if we find the barriers to entry are, are such that we can't get to those platforms, there are many new platforms coming along that that we feel that you know perhaps that's we, we look for the where the market's going and try and uh, fight tooth and nail on an on an indie uh effort or, or or whatnot but we what we plan to do and why we're looking for a proper budget is and and to be perfectly off, honest you know one and a quarter million bucks is actually tiny in comparison to what normally would be going on at that level but it, we feel that's the minimal amount to pull off what we're trying to achieve um and in doing so we can hire the, the the type of pr marketing impact producers who will help us fight tooth and nail to get it to where it needs to be so that's that's part of the plan
0: very cool. Anything else? You know, I've been asking my guests recently this question: um, Is there anything that I didn't ask you that's really important that uh, you'd like the, my audience to know about about this project?
1: Well, I think one thing that we should mention uh, is that we've been working very closely with uh, Nick Hudson, uh, who is a co-founder of the organization Panda, um, and and this organization has been doing just remarkable work at getting the word out about the data and um, making clear that, um, that these policies are, are not only ineffective, but also a violation of basic human rights. Um, and, and Nick has kind of become a mentor for us on this project. He'll certainly um, be in the project and probably play a major role. Uh, he's a very articulate spokesman um, for, for these ideas. Um, so he, he's, he's definitely uh, one of the, the stars of, of this whole project.
2: Yeah, and, and just to add to that. I mean, we talked about is this American centric. I mean, we're we'll be focusing on on the United States as the primary uh, um, arena. However, we feel that having someone like Nick Hudson, who's South African, gives us we can get outside of the the American my, myopic. Uh, aspect of it, and sort of give us that that worldly kind of outsider look, you know. Because also, just I mean, I think uh, like the way the, the, the data is reported, I love the comparison. There was sort of the Czech Republic versus Sweden. I mean, Sweden didn't have the lockdowns, and everyone hammered them for it. And then the Czech Republic had the most uh, – they, they, they were very aggressive. They were boasting, like, oh, we have all these mask mandates. Everyone's wearing masks. We're doing this whole thing. And their, their numbers were low initially. And then their, and then Sweden had their spike. Everyone was condemning Sweden. Czech, Czech, the Czech Republic had an enormous spike, every bit as bad as everybody else. And suddenly it was crickets. The Czech Republic went silent. All the media in, the, in, the, in, in Europe and the United States went silent. And, and it's that kind of manipulation of coverage, I think, is going to be mm-hmm. fun to reveal. And uh, so to speak, because I think it's I think it's a, it's, its own story there. And, and that, those are the types of perspectives, that type of science communication and data communication. We think Nick will uh, be a great voice for.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I can only imagine this is going to be an exciting project for you both to work on. I'm excited to uh, to watch it when it comes out and enjoy it and share it. So thank you both, John and Alan. And maybe someday the audience can know your real names. But thank you so much for all you're doing I'm in the fight to get the truth out there. And uh, best of luck.
2: Thank you, John. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
0: All right, taking a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about my friend, friend of the show, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man and his new song. And uh, he's featured on a track with Intrinsic. It's called First World Problems. Basically, what it's doing is it's talking about you know, different concepts are woven throughout the track, you know, cancel culture, grifters, inflation, innovation, all kinds of different things. It's a really, really interesting track. Please go wherever you listen to your music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whichever one of these places where you listen to music. Please like and follow Crypto Man. And please like this song, share it with your friends. And it's just an awesome song, guys. So I got a clip for you. Check it out.
1: Cost of internet is free. Blind
0: Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, if you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to, you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out. Patreon.com slash lines of liberty and If you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a Taxation is Death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a Wax On Tax Off t-shirt. And we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fire's liberty burning.